Chapter 11 of The Journal of John Woolman by John Woolman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Wayne Cook. Having been some time under a religious concern to prepare for crossing the seas in order to visit friends in the northern parts of England, and more particularly in Yorkshire, after consideration I thought it expedient to inform friends of it at our monthly meeting at Burlington, who, having unity with me therein, gave me a certificate. I afterwards communicated the same to our quarterly meeting, and they likewise certified their concurrence. Some time after, at the general spring meeting of ministers and elders, I thought it my duty to acquaint them with the religious exercise which attended my mind and they likewise signified their unity therewith by a certificate dated 24th of 3rd month, 1772, directed to friends in Great Britain. In the fourth month following, I thought the time was come for me to make some inquiry for a suitable conveyance, and as my concern was principally towards the northern parts of England, it seemed most proper to go in a vessel bound to Liverpool or Whitehaven. While I was at Philadelphia deliberating on this subject, I was informed that my beloved friend Samuel Emlyn, Jr., intended to go to London, and had taken a passage for himself in the cabin of the ship called the Mary and Elizabeth, of which James Sparks was master, and John Head, of the city of Philadelphia, one of the owners. And feeling a draft in my mind towards the steerage of the same ship, I went first and opened to Samuel the feeling I had concerning it. My beloved friend wept when I spake to him, and appeared glad that I had thoughts of going in the vessel with him, though my prospect was toward the steerage. And he offering to go with me, we went on board, first into the cabin, a commodious room, and then into the steerage, where we sat down on a chest, the sailors being busy about us. The owner of the ship also came and sat down with us. My mind was turned towards Christ, the heavenly counsellor, and feeling at this time my own will subjected, my heart was contrite before him. A motion was made by the owner to go and sit in the cabin as a place more retired, but I felt easy to leave the ship, and making no agreement as to a passage in her, told the owner if I took a passage in the ship, I believed it would be in the steerage, but did not say much as to my exercise in that case. After I went to my lodgings, and the case was a little known in town, a friend laid before me the great inconvenience attending a passage in the steerage, which for a time appeared very discouraging to me. I soon after went to bed, and my mind was under a deep exercise before the Lord, whose helping hand was manifested to me as I slept that night, and his love strengthened my heart. In the morning I went with two friends on board the vessel again, and after a short time spent therein, I went with Samuel Emlyn to the house of the owner, to whom, in the hearing of Samuel only, I opened my exercise in relation to a scruple I felt with regard to a passage in the cabin, the substance as follows, that on the outside of that part of the ship where the cabin was, I observed sundry sorts of carved work and imagery, 
that in the cabin I observed some superfluity of workmanship of several sorts, and that according to the ways of men's reckoning, the sum of money to be paid for a passage in that apartment has some relation to the expense of furnishing it to please the minds of such as give way to a conformity to this world, and that in this is in other cases the monies received from the passengers are calculated to defray the cost of these superfluities, as well as the other expenses of their passage. I therefore felt a scruple with regard to paying my money to be applied to such purposes. As my mind was now opened, I told the owner that I had, at several times in my travels, seen great oppressions on this continent, at which my heart had been much affected, and brought into a feeling of the state of the sufferers, and having many times been engaged in the fear and love of God to labor with those under whom the oppressed have been borne down and afflicted, I have often perceived that with a view to get riches and to provide estates for children, that they may live comfortably to the customs and honors of this world, many are entangled in the spirit of oppression, and the exercise of my soul had been such that I could not find peace in joining in anything which I saw was against that wisdom which is pure. After this I agreed for a passage in the steerage, and hearing that Joseph White had desired to see me, I went to his house, and the next day home where I tarried two nights. Early the next morning I parted with my family, under a sense of the humbling hand of God upon me, and, going to Philadelphia, had an opportunity with several of my beloved friends, who appeared to be concerned for me on account of the unpleasant situation of that part of the vessel in which I was likely to lodge. In these opportunities my mind, through the mercies of the Lord, was kept low in an inward waiting for His help, and friends, having expressed their desire that I might have a more convenient place than the steerage, did not urge it, but appeared disposed to leave me to the Lord. Having stayed two nights in Philadelphia, I went the next day to Derby Monthly Meeting, where through the strength of divine love my heart was enlarged towards the youth there present, under which I was helped to labor in some tenderness of spirit. I lodged at William Horne's, and afterwards went to Chester, where I met with Samuel Emlyn, and we went on board first of fifth month, 1772. As I sat alone on the deck, I felt a satisfactory evidence that my proceedings were not in my own will, but under the power of the cross of Christ. Seventh of fifth month. We have had rough weather mostly since I came on board, and the passengers, James Reynolds, John Till Adams, Sarah Logan and her hired maid, and John Bispin, all seasick at times, from which sickness, through the tender mercies of my Heavenly Father, I have been preserved, my afflictions now being of another kind. There appeared an openness in the minds of the master of the ship and in the cabin passengers towards me. We are often together on the deck and sometimes in the cabin. My mind, through the merciful help of the Lord, hath been preserved in a good degree watchful and quiet, for which I have great cause to be thankful. As my lodging in the steerage, now near a week, hath afforded me sundry opportunities of seeing, hearing, and feeling with respect to the life and spirit of many poor sailors, 
an exercise of soul hath attended me in regard to placing our children and youth where they may be likely to be exampled and instructed in the pure fear of the Lord. Being much among the seamen I have, from a motion of love, taken sundry opportunities with one of them at a time, and have in free conversation labored to turn their minds toward the fear of the Lord. This day we had a meeting in the cabin, where my heart was contrite under a feeling of divine love. I believe a communication with different parts of the world by sea is at times consistent with the will of our Heavenly Father, and to educate some youth in the practice of sailing I believe may be right. But how lamentable is the present corruption of the world! How impure are the channels through which trade is conducted! How great is the danger to which poor lads are exposed when placed on shipboard to learn the art of sailing! Five lads, training up for the seas, were on board this ship. Two of them were brought up in our society, and the other, by name James Naylor, is a member, to whose father, James Naylor, mentioned in Sewell's history, appears to have been uncle. I often feel a tenderness of heart toward these poor lads, and at times look at them as though they were my children according to the flesh. Oh, that all may take heed and beware of covetedness! Oh, that all may learn of Christ, who was meek and lowly of heart! Then, in faithfully following Him, He will teach us to be content with food and raiment without respect to the customs or honors of this world. Men thus redeemed will feel a tender concern for their fellow creatures, and a desire that those in the lowest stations may be assisted and encouraged, and where owners of ships attain to the perfect law of liberty and are doers of the word, these will be blessed in their deeds. A ship at sea commonly sails all night, and the seamen take their watches four hours at a time. Rising to work in the night is not commonly pleasant in any case, but in dark rainy nights it is very disagreeable, even though each man was furnished with all conveniences. If, after having been on deck several hours in the night, they come down into the steerage soaking wet, and are so closely stowed that proper convenience for change of garments is not easily come at, but for want of proper room, their wet garments are thrown in heaps, and sometimes, through much crowding, are trodden underfoot in going to their lodgings and getting out of them, and it is difficult at times for each to find his own. Here are the trials for the poor sailors. Now, as I have been with them in my lodge, my heart hath often yearned for them, and tender desires have been raised in me that all owners and masters of vessels may dwell in the love of God, and therein act uprightly, and by seeking less for gain, and looking carefully to their ways, that they may earnestly labor to remove all cause of provocation with the poor seamen, so that they may neither fret nor use excess of strong drink. For, indeed, the poor creatures in the wet and cold seem to apply at times to strong drink to supply the want of other convenience. Great reformation is wanting in the world, and the necessity of it among those who do business on great waters hath at this time been abundantly opened before me. Eighth of Fifth Month This morning the clouds gathered, the wind blew strong from the southeast, and before noon so increased that sailing appeared dangerous. 
The seamen then bound out some of their sails, and took down others, and the storm increasing, they put the dead light, so called, into the cabin windows, and lighted a lamp as at night. The wind now blew vehemently, and the sea wrought to that degree that an awful seriousness prevailed in the cabin, in which I spent, I believe, about seventeen hours, for the cabin passengers had given me frequent invitations, and I thought the poor, wet, toiling seamen had need of all the room in the crowded steerage. They now ceased from sailing, and put the vessel in the posture called lying to. My mind during this tempest, through the gracious assistance of the Lord, was preserved in a good degree of resignation, and at times I expressed a few words in his love to my shipmates in regard to the all-sufficiency of him who formed the great deep, and whose care is so extensive that a sparrow falls not without his notice. And thus, in a tender frame of mind, I spoke to them of the necessity of our yielding in true obedience to the instructions of our Heavenly Father, who sometimes, through adversities, intendeth our refinement. About eleven at night I went out on the deck. The sea wrought exceedingly, and the high foaming waves round about had in some sort the appearance of fire, but did not give much, if any, light. The sailor at the helm said he lately saw a corpusant at the head of the mast. I observed that the master of the ship ordered the carpenter to keep on the deck, and, though he said little, I apprehended his care was that the carpenter with his axe might be in readiness in case of any emergency. Soon after this the vehemency of the wind abated, and before morning they again put the ship under sail. Tenth of Fifth Month it being the first day of the week and fine weather, we had a meeting in the cabin, at which most of the seamen were present. This meeting was to me a strengthening time. Thirteenth. As I continue to lodge in the steerage, I feel an openness this morning to express something further of the state of my mind in respect to poor lads bound apprentice to learn the art of sailing. As I believe sailing is of use in the world, a labor of soul attends me that the pure counsel of truth may be humbly waited for in this case by all concerned in the business of the seas. A pious father, whose mind is exercised for the everlasting welfare of his child, may not, with a peaceable mind, place him out to an employment among a people whose common course of life is manifestly corrupt and profane. Great is the present defect among the seafaring men in regard to virtue and piety and by reason of an abundant traffic and many ships being used for war, so many people are employed on the sea that the subject of placing lads to this employment appears very weighty. When I remember the saying of the Most High through his prophet, This people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise, and think of placing children among such to learn the practice of sailing, the consistency of it with a pious education seems to me like that mentioned by the prophet, there is no answer from God. Profane examples are very corrupting and very forcible, and as my mind day after day and night after night hath been affected with a sympathizing tenderness toward poor children who are put to the employment of sailors, I have sometimes had weighty conversation with the sailors in the steerage who were mostly respectful to me and became more so the longer I was with them. 
They mostly appeared to take kindly what I said to them, but their minds were so deeply impressed with the almost universal depravity among sailors that the poor creatures in their answers to me have revived in my remembrance that of the degenerate Jew a little before the captivity, as repeateth by Jeremiah the prophet, There is no hope. Now under this exercise, a sense of the desire of outward gain prevailing among us felt grievous, and a strong call to the professed followers of Christ was raised in me that all may take heed, lest, through loving this present world, they be found in a continued neglect of duty with respect to a faithful labor for reformation. To silence every motion proceeding from the love of money, and humbly to wait upon God to know His will concerning us, have appeared necessary. He alone is able to strengthen us to dig deep, to remove all which lies between us and the safe foundation, and so to direct us in our outward employments that pure universal love may shine forth in our proceedings. Desires arising from the spirit of truth are pure desires, and when a mind divinely opened towards a young generation is made sensible of corrupting examples powerfully working and extensively spreading among them, how moving is the prospect. In a world of dangers and difficulties, like a desolate, thorny wilderness, how precious, how comfortable, how safe are the leadings of Christ, the Good Shepherd who said, I know my sheep and have known of mine. Sixteenth of sixth, or perhaps fifth, month. Wind for several days past, often high, what the sailors call squally, with a rough sea and frequent rains. This last night has been a very trying one to the poor seamen, the water the most part of the night running over the main deck, and sometimes breaking waves came on the quarter-deck. The latter part of the night, as I lay in bed, my mind was humbled under the power of divine love, and resignedness to the great creator of the earth and the seas was renewedly brought in me, and his fatherly care over his children felt precious to my soul. I was now desirous to embrace every opportunity of being inwardly acquainted with the hardships and difficulties of my fellow creatures, and to labor in his love for the spreading of pure righteousness on the earth. Opportunities were frequent of hearing conversation among the sailors respecting voyages to Africa and the manner of bringing the deeply oppressed slaves into our islands. They are frequently brought on board the vessels and chains and fetters with hearts loaded with grief under the apprehension of miserable slavery, so that my mind was frequently engaged to meditate on these things. Seventeenth of fifth month and first of the week. We had a meeting in the cabin to which the seamen generally came. My spirit was contrite before the Lord, whose love at this time affected my heart. In the afternoon I felt a tender sympathy of soul with my poor wife and family left behind, in which state my heart was enlarged in desires that they may walk in that humble obedience wherein the everlasting Father may be their guide and support through all their difficulties in this world. And a sense of that gracious assistance, 
through which my mind hath been strengthened to take up the cross and leave them to travel in the love of truth, hath begotten thankfulness in my heart to our great Helper. 24th of Fifth Month A clear, pleasant morning. As I sat on deck, I felt a reviving in my nature, which had been weakened through much rainy weather and high winds, and being shut up in a close, unhealthy air. Several nights of late I have felt my breathing difficult, and a little after the rising of the second watch, which is about midnight, I have got up and stood near an hour with my face near the hatchway to get the fresh air at the small vacancy under the hatch door, which is commonly shut down, partly to keep out rain and sometimes to keep the breaking waves from dashing into the steerage. I may with thankfulness to the Father of mercies acknowledge that in my present weak state my mind has been supported to bear this affliction with patience, and I have looked at the present dispensation as a kindness from the great Father of mankind, who, in this my floating pilgrimage, is in some degree bringing me to feel what many thousands of my fellow creatures often suffer in a greater degree. My appetite failing, the trial hath been the heavier, and I have felt tender breathings in my soul after God, the fountain of comfort, whose inward help hath supplied at times the want of outward convenience. And strong desires have attended me that his family, who are acquainted with the movings of his Holy Spirit, may be so redeemed from the love of money and from that spirit in which men seek honor one of another, that in all business, by sea or land, they may constantly keep in view the coming of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and by faithfully following this safe guide, may show forth examples tending to lead out of that under which the creation groans. This day we had a meeting in the cabin, in which I was favored in some degree to experience the fulfilling of that saying of the prophet, The Lord hath been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in their distress, for which my heart is bowed in thankfulness before him. 28th of Fifth Month Wet weather of late and small winds inclining to calms. Our seamen cast a lead, I suppose about one hundred fathoms, but found no bottom. Foggy weather this morning. Through the kindness of the great preserver of men, my mind remains quiet, and a degree of exercise from day to day attends me that the pure, peaceful government of Christ may spread and prevail among mankind. The leading of a young generation in that pure way in which the wisdom of this world hath no place, where parents and tutors, humbly waiting for the heavenly counselor, may example them in the truth that is in Jesus, hath for several days been the exercise of my mind. Oh, how safe, how quiet, is that state where the soul stands in pure obedience to the voice of Christ, and a watchful care is maintained not to follow the voice of the stranger. Here Christ is felt to be our shepherd, and under his leading people are brought to a stability, and where he doth not lead forward, we are bound in the bonds of pure love to stand still and wait upon him. In the love of money and in the wisdom of this world, business is proposed, 
Then the urgency of affairs push forward, and the mind cannot in this state discern the good and perfect will of God concerning us. The love of God is manifested in graciously calling us to come out of that which stands in confusion. But if we bow not in the name of Jesus, if we give not up those prospects of gain which, in the wisdom of this world, are open before us, but say in our hearts, I must needs go on, and in going on I hope to keep as near the purity of truth as the business before me will admit of, the mind remains entangled, and the shining of the light of life into the soul is obstructed. Surely the Lord calls to mourning and deep humiliation, that in his fear we may be instructed and led safely through the great difficulties and perplexities of this present age. In an entire subjection of our wills, the Lord graciously opens a way for his people, where all their wants are bounded by his wisdom. And here we experience the substance of what Moses the prophet figured out in the water of separation as a purification from sin. Esau is mentioned as a child red all over like a hairy garment. In Esau is represented the natural will of man. In preparing the water of separation, a red heifer without blemish, on which there had been no yoke, was to be slain and her blood sprinkled by the priest seven times towards the tabernacle of the congregation. Then her skin, her flesh, and all pertaining to her was to be burnt without the camp, and of her ashes the water was prepared. Thus the crucifying of the old man, or natural will, is represented, and hence comes a separation from that carnal mind, which is death. He who toucheth the dead body of a man, and purifieth not himself with the water of separation, defileth the tabernacle of the Lord. He is unclean. Numbers 19.13 If any through the love of gain engage in business wherein they dwell, as among the tombs, and touch the bodies of those who are dead, should through the infinite love of God feel the power of the cross of Christ to crucify them to the world, and therein to learn humbly to follow the divine leader. Here is the judgment of this world. Here the prince of this world is cast out. The water of separation is felt, and though we have been among the slain, and through the desire of gain have touched the dead body of a man, yet in the purifying love of Christ, we are washed away in the water of separation. We are brought off from that business, from that gain, and from that fellowship which is not agreeable to his holy will. I have felt a renewed confirmation in the time of this voyage that the Lord, in his infinite love, is calling to his visited children so to give up all outwardly possessions and means of getting treasures that his Holy Spirit may have free course in their hearts and direct them in all their proceedings. To feel the substance pointed out in this figure, man must know death as to his own will. No man can see God and live. This was spoken by the Almighty to Moses the prophet, and opened by our blessed Redeemer. As death comes on our own wills, and a new life is formed in us, the heart is purified, prepared to understand clearly Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
In purity of heart, the mind is divinely open to behold the nature of universal righteousness or the righteousness of the kingdom of God. No man hath seen the Father save he that is of God. He hath seen the Father. The natural mind is active about the things of this life, and in this natural activity business is proposed and a will is formed in us to go forward in it. And so long as this natural will remains unsubjected, so long as there remains an obstruction to the clearness of divine light operating in us, but when we love God with all our heart and with all our strength, in this love we love our neighbors ourselves, and a tenderness of heart is felt towards all people for whom Christ died, even those who, as to outward circumstances, may be to us as the Jews were to the Samaritans. Who is my neighbor? See this question answered by our Savior, Luke ten thirty. In this love we can say that Jesus is the Lord, and in this reformation in our souls, manifested in a full reformation of our lives, wherein all things are new, and all things are of God, 2 Corinthians 5.18, the desire of gain is subjected. When employment is honestly followed in the light of truth, and people become diligent in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Romans 12.11, the meaning of the name is opened to us. This is the name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23.6 Oh, how precious is this name! It is like ointment poured out. The chaste virgins are in love with the Redeemer, and for promoting his peaceable kingdom in the world, we are content to endure hardness like good soldiers, and are so separated in spirit from the desire of riches that in their employments they become extensively careful to give no offense, either to Jew or heathen, or to the Church of Christ. 31st, 5th month, and 1st of the week. We had a meeting in the cabin with nearly all the ship's company, the whole being nearer 30. In this meeting the Lord in mercy favored us with extending of his love. 2nd of 6th month. Last evening, the seamen found a bottom at about seventy fathoms. This morning, a fair wind and pleasant. I sat on deck. My heart was overcome with the love of Christ and melted into contrition before him. In this state, the prospect of that work to which I found my mind drawn in my native land being, in some degree, opened before me, I felt like a little child. And my cries were put up to my Heavenly Father for preservation that in an humble dependence on him my soul might be strengthened in his love and kept inwardly waiting for his counsel. This afternoon we saw that part of England called the Lizard. Some fowls yet remained of those passengers took for their sea store. I believe about fourteen perished in the storms at sea, by the waves breaking over the quarter-deck, and a considerable number with sickness at different times. I observed the cock's crew as we came down the Delaware, and while we were near the land, but afterwards I think I did not hear one of them crow till we came near the English coast, where they again crowed a few times. And observing their dull appearance at sea, and the pining sickness of some of them, I often remembered the fountain of goodness, who gave being to all creatures, 
and whose love extends to caring for the sparrows. I believe where the love of God is very perfected and the true spirit of government watchfully attended to, a tenderness towards all creatures made subject to us will be experienced, and a care felt in us that we do not lessen that sweetness of life in the animal creation which the great Creator intends for them under our government. Fourth of Sixth Month wet weather, high winds, and so dark that we could see but a little way. I perceived our seamen were apprehensive of the dangers of missing the channel, which I understood was narrow. In a while it grew lighter, and they saw the land and knew where we were. Thus the Father of Mercies was pleased to try us with the sight of dangers, and then graciously, from time to time, deliver us from them. Thus sparing our lives, that in humility and reverence we might walk before him and put our trust in him. About noon a pilot came off from Dover, where my beloved friend Samuel Emlyn went on shore and thence to London, about seventy-two miles by land, but I felt easy in staying in the ship. Seventh of sixth month and first of the week. A clear morning, we lay at anchor for the tide, and had a parting meeting with the ship's company, in which my heart was enlarged in a fervent concern for them, that they may come to experience salvation through Christ. Had a headwind up the Thames, lay sometimes at anchor, saw many ships passing and some at anchor near. I had large opportunity of feeling the spirit in which the poor bewildered sailors too generally live that lamentable degeneracy which so much prevails in the people employed on the seas so affected my heart that I cannot easily convey the feeling I had to another. The present state of the seafaring life in general appears so opposite to that of a pious education, so full of corruption and extreme alienation from God, so full of the most dangerous examples to young people that in looking towards a young generation I feel a care for them, that they may have an education different from the present ones of lads at sea, and that all of us who are acquainted with the pure gospel spirit may lay this case to heart, may remember the lamentable corruptions which attend the conveyance of merchandise across the seas, and so abide in the love of Christ that, being delivered from the entangling expenses of a curious, delicate, and luxurious life, we may learn contentment with a little and promote the seafaring life no further than that spirit which leads into all truth attends us in our proceedings. End of chapter 11